guys, I am so excited to have Dr. Sasha Shilcut here today. She is a renowned cardiac anesthesiologist, a gender equity researcher, a TEDx speaker, a published author, a podcast host, and a CEO of Brave Enough, where she leads 20,000 women on living connected and courageous lives. I am so excited to speak with you today. I'm excited to chat with you. I feel like we're going to we're sitting down to have coffee together and I'm super excited after reading all about you and watching what you're doing online and how you're helping people. I'm just, I'm really honored to be here. Well, thank you. I mean, the honor is mine for you taking time out of your day. Um, so I'm just going to kind of dive right in, but before I dive into some questions that are so specific, how did you kind of end up? I mean, you are a doctor, you <laughs> have went, uh, every, I feel like all those big pinnacle that you have went after them, you know, you've broke glass ceilings, you've done all these different things. So how did you end up doing what you're doing today here, talking to me on this podcast? Can you like summarize that for me? Yeah, it, that's a, it's, it's a, it's been an interesting journey. And I think it's a good lesson for anybody listening that sometimes, you know, you just have to be open to where life's experience takes you. I, as you said, I've, did the traditional medical academic route for a number of years. I really wanted to achieve in medicine and I planned on being a doctor the rest of my life. And all of a sudden, about a decade into my career, I had four children over seven years. I had a grant. I was speaking all over the country. I completely burned out in 2013. And I remember driving to work struggling to get out of the car because I would have tears just wondering like, how am I going to get through this day? And then pulling into my garage and struggling to figure out how I was going to get out of my car and go in and be a mom. And I just had some real, a wake up call because I wanted to quit medicine after all of these years of working so hard to become a physician and to become a leader in my field. So I pulled back in 2013 and did a hard look at the decisions I was making, my priorities, my lack of boundaries, my need to please. And I rebuilt the structure of my life and my priorities. And I found joy in my job again. But at the end of that year, something really interesting happened where I recognized I was really lonely. I was very isolated and I lacked female uh, mentors or peers who I could relate to. So I started a very small group where I asked, you know, a handful of women if they wanted to be my friend, so to speak, and join a text group where we would just encourage one another. And that grew to a Facebook group, which I started in 2015 called StyleMD, which actually grew to my company, Brave Enough, where now I have a community of women that I really nurture and foster peer-to-peer -peer coaching and encouragement. And I help women figure out how to define their own success on their own terms and create work-life control. Love it. And I think that what all you just said, so I am the author of Start Balancing. Uh, the person that wrote that book, that book, book was originally published in 2017, um, is a different lady sitting here today. Mm. And all what you just said, like uh, some major foundational shifts and relationships, I got divorced the major foundational shifts within my companies and realizing where my heart is and where the alignment is, what can change, what, what needs to step forward. And I think that ultimately, I think we get stuck. We get stuck in complacency and comfort 
it's hard to make those changes, mm -hmm. right? Like you talk about being brave enough. It's hard. It's hard to be brave. It's it is. easier to sit in complacency. It's easier to sit even where maybe somewhere where you don't belong. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've been very successful in some areas. And then I've also at the, at the same time been very sad. And I know that's something mm -hmm. that you talk about a lot, mm -hmm. um, sad in certain areas. And I even think that when there is success, there also is a sense of loneliness because you, you lack that connection of people being able to get your world and understand mm -hmm. all of it, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I and mean, it, 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 and what you said about, it's easier to stay in places where we don't belong or where we're even completely overwhelmed and burned out. You know, it gets to a point where it's actually easy just to stay on the treadmill than try to get off the treadmill. And it's easier to stay um, and live a life with no boundaries or no actual self-respect. Uh, once you've been in that environment, you don't, you're just so used to it in the thought, the energy to get out of it or the energy to, make a new connection or take a stand for something is so overwhelming that you don't have the energy to just fight it. So you just keep being in whatever either sad or isolated or burned out state you're in. And like you said, it takes immense courage for women just to show up every day as themselves. That's why I named my company Brave Enough and the movement Brave Enough, because it's not like you have to be radically brave every day to go do something huge, you have to be brave enough just to get through your day as a woman <laughs> and show yeah. up authentically as yourself. That's, that's the big, yeah, absolutely. Cause I think we're all told, right. How we should act, what we should do, what we mm -hmm. should like, what's what success even is like, what does society see? What is our, what is our people in our family that we love the most? What do they think is successful? What do they think is right for you? What are they, so, you know, um, one term that I feel like I've, has just been heavy on my heart, and I feel like you can talk to this, is permission. Mm. You know, I think we all look for permission to be brave enough, right? Like right. we want permission. And, you know, there's been a lot of decisions that I've made. I feel like the most right decisions that I've made in my life has actually been on uh, having data mm -hmm. and then feeling it in my gut, the intuition, that that's right and just go for it. The thing about it is that end result could be something bad, like meaning it could have not been the right financial choice, but at the end of it, I'm still thankful for all the lessons. So it was right. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I but I think we all look for permission with everything to leave a relationship, mm -hmm. to leave a job, to leave a, like, what should we do? Like to just be okay. Right. Well, I think part of that is what we've been taught in the social construct as women. If you look at the uh, data around gender equity and confidence in women, you know that we as women are taught at a very young age to be obedient. And that's how we earn gold stars sitting in classrooms. And that's how we, you know, get to get affirmation and validation. So we're taught at a very young age to do this as women. And then we go out in the real world and uh, we start working and we see that those same rules don't apply. And it feels awkward to us to not have validation for a decision that we know is right. So perhaps you quit a job because it's toxic or you're not getting paid or there's not equity in some area. You're not going to, nobody's going to cheer for you when you do that. You're not going to have validation. Maybe your close friends will, but most people are not going to cheer for you. So all of a sudden we have to learn how to operate with our own permission and our own validation. And 
you know, it's interesting. I, I coach uh, a lot of women through two classes a year, and these are highly successful, high achieving women. And they all want the same thing. They want to be able to create balance in their lives, but also be liked. And they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to experience backlash. You know, none of us do. And I always tell them, you're, you want two things that cannot coexist. You, we as women have to understand that when we set a boundary or when we stand up for ourselves or when we leave something or when we make a decision based on that instinct that we know is right for us, the outcome, if you experience backlash, that doesn't mean that that's the wrong decision. If you're, if you're going to measure the success of that decision based on whether or not you received negative feedback or backlash, you're actually measuring the wrong thing. You should base that decision and you should base, you know, set your boundaries based on how you, what you know to be right and what you know to be ethical and true for yourself. And only you know that. So it's a very different construct than what we're taught when you were young. And we have to embrace these limiting beliefs and go, okay, wait, I'm operating at a fifth grade level where I earn, I sit in my seat, I wait to get noticed, I raise my hand, I answer the question, I earn a gold star. That's not how it works <laughs> in the real world as women. And if we don't take the the courage and we don't, you know, embrace being brave enough just to say, mm, that's not right for me, I'm leaving that, or I'm going to start this uh, independent of what other people think. If we don't kind of release ourselves from needing that permission and validation, we will constantly be stuck. Yeah. I mean, I can relate. I mean, I think that we all want to be liked, right? Mm -hmm. We all want to, we want to be accepted. We want to fit in. Yeah. We want, mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, I, re I have realized when I've really stepped in my own light, uh, uh, people have their own experiences, their own journeys and their own feelings, even, even in the backlash, it's sometimes not a direct hit to me. Mm -hmm. It's a direct hit to something that maybe their journey hasn't taught them, hasn't shown mm -hmm. them, hasn't experienced them. So I think that we have to learn to disconnect from that and honestly not care. And I am authentically still figuring that out myself. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I was very like open and vulnerable. And I have found myself now um, wanting to like be more reserved in certain areas mm -hmm. because there's this level of expectation. There's this level of questioning. There's this level of, it's making me not be brave. Right. Like I can feel myself like, okay, I've did this. I've shared this. I've done this. Like, and now there's like questions and like, there's this huge, like whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. Like, <laughs> Well, and that's the, that's where, you know, grace comes in. And I, I call this, you know, the margin of error. So when you look at gender differences, it's really interesting because basically men in any realm, whether it's family or business, they accept a larger margin of failure for themselves than women do. And, and there's, it doesn't affect their confidence. And it's interesting because it's both the perception of yourself and others, meaning when we're doing something and we make a mistake as, as a woman, maybe we make a wrong life decision, financial decision, work decision, you know, personal decision. We are so much harder on ourselves and other people are harder on women um, where, and it really affects our confidence versus when men make the same mistake. Um, there's a lot of evidence to state that, you know, it sucks for them for a while, but it doesn't like impede them from being going forward. And actually people don't judge men the same specifically in the workplace for business mistakes as they, as they do for women. So 
we have to kind of open up that margin of failure and make it a little wider and allow ourselves to fail and change. You know, we should all be able to change our trajectory, our our mission, our goals, whenever we feel that we need to pause and pivot and go a different direction. And I think that that's huge. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think we all have these narratives on what we're supposed to do and what we should do and how we should act. And um, ultimately we, we all try to combat them, right? But <laughs> ultimately those narratives are still in our head. Mm-hmm. Like yes. they are. We are going to take a quick little break to hear a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by startplanner.com, your tool for a more organized life. Featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Inc.com, Start Planner was created to meet the demands of today's busy lifestyle, helping you to plan, execute, and organize every aspect of your life in one concise system. Align schedules, to-dos, finances, health, wellness, goal setting, and clear action steps to all work together and drive results. Learn more at startplanner.com. Great, great advice. Um, so let me ask you this. In your book, you talk about the imposter syndrome. Yes. Could you give us your thoughts on this? Like what, what is the imposter syndrome and how you can actually combat it? So, you know, there's, there's lots, I think a lot of things get labeled as imposter syndrome that really aren't imposter syndrome. When you have imposter syndrome, it's a real phenomenon. It, and most of us have it to some degree. In fact, high achievers have it more than low achievers. So I always tell people when they feel like they have it, that's good because it probably means that you're a not a narcissist because <laughs> narcissists don't experience it at all. And B, you're probably pretty successful. So it's a feeling of being unable to accept your own success and your own achievements. And what it does is it creates a negative feedback loop in your mind that you actually don't deserve any achievement or success. So it can limit you when it comes to opportunities, meaning maybe somebody calls you and says, hey, you know, I really, really, really want to uh, ask you to give this amazing talk at this like amazing event. And your first instinct is, well, they've made a mistake. Why are they asking me? I don't deserve this. That's imposter syndrome because, you know, obviously the person that's asking you sees your history of speaking or your uh, success as a speaker and has asked you to do this. They're not just like calling a random person, but in your mind, you're like, oh, I can't do that because they're, they're wrong. They're going to find out that I'm really um, false, you know, that I, my success is a lie and it can stop us from actually accepting growth in our future. So we all experience it. I experience it. I'm sure you've experienced it before when someone gives you an opportunity or asks you to do something or suggests that you try out for something or you, you know, go for a promotion and you go, Oh, oh, wait a minute. I, I can't do that. That's like way above me. So it's just recognizing it and going, okay, wait, that's my imposter syndrome. Like what are the objective facts? Well, the objective facts state, I'm a good speaker. I've been successful. I've been able to get these speaking gigs and I've done, have great evaluations and feedback. So just stopping and recognizing it is huge. I love that. And I think that you're so right. And I think we all experience it. And I will wholeheartedly say that I have as well. <laughs> and I think that 
you know, what ultimately that does is a, is a, a dialogue in our head. It actually like doesn't even allow us to start in some areas. Yes. Yes. And many times it's tied to perfectionism as well, which is a little different than imposter syndrome, obviously. But if, if you think about it, how many times do you not want to try something until you think you can perfect it? You know, I, I have a podcast, you have a podcast. And I'm sure there were t- times in your mind before you started the podcast that you were like, Hmm, I don't know. I'm a perfectionist. Am I, sure. am I, I'm, I'm a perfect? recovering perfectionist. Yes. <laughs> and yes. so, you know, it can really paralyze you. Like perfectionism paralyzes you much more than failure paralyzes you. Most people will, you know, if they, they experience failure, they may get knocked down for a bit, but if they're resilient, they'll get back up and start again. But perfectionists tend to never even share the idea or tell anyone what they really want to do or because they don't think they can perfect it. So they don't even start. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I can relate for sure. Well, let me ask you this, um, joy versus professionalism. Mm. Do you have to choose between those two? (laughs) Well, in medicine, which is the realm in healthcare that I work in, we kind of have this underlying unconscious belief that we got to be serious all the time. And the more serious you are, the more professional you are, the better physician, nurse, whatever you are. And yet I think that, I mean, I know for myself, like, if I'm sick or if I'm injured, I I want somebody that is has joy in their life, ha, is happy to be taking care of me. Um, I want someone that feels at peace with themselves, not burned out. And so, I think sometimes we have this like thought, like the more serious of a business person you are, the more you know that you're only going to post like really serious pictures and serious topics. And and I've actually received that feedback a few times in on social media, like from people behind the scenes that are like, you know, we just need you to be a little more serious. You know, sometimes you're like fun and silly on social media. And I'm like, but that's who I am in real life. Like what you see is what you get. And where is the rule that says, if you want to be a really good leader or a really successful physician or lawyer or businesswoman or entrepreneur, where's the rule that says you can have to be serious all the time? Like what, where we've made that up as humans. So to me, I don't think you have to choose between joy and professionalism. I think the people that I love on my team, that I love working with at work, whether it's in the hospital or in my business, are the people that are full of joy. So I want to challenge that a little bit. And I think, you know, that's one of the topics I talk about in the book. Correct. Yeah. And that's why I brought it up because I love it. I think it's just such a, a topic that's not really talked about. And I think that ultimately, a lot of times, the more professional we are, the more we're thought to be received as respect, but I actually would challenge and say the more vulnerable we are, the more that we give people the ability to meet us where they need to be met because we are being honest about our own struggles and our own, like we're, we're all imperfect humans just trying to figure it out. Like, (laughs) you know, we are, and I feel like earlier in my career, I think that I was, you know, when you went to my Instagram, it was, you know, featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur Inc. And, you know, I very, I put that stuff very boldly in people's face because mm-hmm. I think that it was me thinking that respect would come and that professionalism. Now that's like, I don't even put that on there. It's on my website. It's part of branding and marketing. Sure. 
but I want the first thing that people to, to feel is to feel connected mm-hmm. to my message and to my heart and to my mission. Mm-hmm. And I think it, you learn over time that the right people will follow when you have the right mix of joy and professionalism. Yes. Because you have your doctor, you have the respect, you have the credentials. They yeah. will see that. That will shine through, but it doesn't need to be the glaring thing in your face. Your energy, I think we're all like these energetic beings, your energy and what you're vibrating and what you're putting out um, is ultimately what's, what's going to attract or even repel people. And the people right. that repel, it's like, okay. Or if the people it doesn't re- re- make right, I think it's okay. Yeah. And I'm saying all that, like, I'm still working through that. Like, it's, you know, the people that are repel, I still want to make happy. <laughs> I know. I love what's deeply rooted in me. And I don't know. And I think we can, we could unpack that for days. Why are we perfectionists? Why do we care what other people think? Why do we, and you know, the more people that I talk to that are, that are more advanced in their career, the older that they say the best gift that you get in your older age is you just don't give a shit anymore. Right. <laughs> uh, you know? And I'm like, Oh, I can't wait for that. I know. You know, because I try not to care, but ultimately I care. I care probably too much. Yeah. I am. I'm, always the one trying and caring and and probably not putting boundaries where I need to be in all the different areas. And you just have to learn. And I think going back to the term that you said is just giving yourself grace and just really understanding yourself and knowing. Um, so I love that. Well, thank you for sharing that. Well, you know, and just on that, on that note, like I always tell people, like I have the women I coach, they'll say like, why do I care so much what people think? Well, that probably means you're a good human and you're empathetic. If so, don't beat yourself up that you care what people think. We, I, I want friends that care what other people think, right? We all do. Um, and I think it's natural for us to want to make sure we're not hurting people or, you know, as long as we're not narcissists again, like that we're not offending people or hurting people. But one of the things that I've had to learn, I'm sure you've learned this lesson multiple times because you're, you have a very successful platform is you can literally have like the most bland content and someone's not going to like you, you know, you can, you can try to have like this, this persona that is not real and people won't like you, or you can be yourself and people won't like you. So why not be yourself? <laughs> and it's hard. it doesn't mean it doesn't, you know, hurt. I recently closed a, a Facebook group with thousands of women in it. And it took me six months to, figure out how to close it and, and get the courage to close it. And, and, oh my gosh, like, I can't even tell you how badly it hurt the criticism I got. And I'm a pretty like resistant to criticism person, but it hurt. And it really, I cared deeply more than I even thought I would. I knew it was going to be super hard, but man, it took me months to recover from that. And now I can look back and I'm like, okay, that sucked. I never want to go through that again. I have learned incredible lessons through it sucking um, because that's when we learn the most in life is when we, you know, fall on our face or when we're beat down. But man, it was painful. And if you asked me to go through it again, I would be like, hell no, I do not want to go through (laughs) that again. So I think that's just part of being human, you know, is we care about other people. We care about not hurting other people. We don't want to let other people down. That means we're good humans. It doesn't mean that you're weak or something, but I agree. Like the older I get, the more I do see that I can be someone else and try to please others and people still won't like me. 
and I'll get backlash or I can be myself. And guess what? People won't like me and I'll get some backlash. So I'm going to choose B because it's the easier way. Okay. So to end it, let's talk about women in general and being brave and talking about uh, how, I guess sometimes people just aren't always nice mm -hmm. um, and how we can be better to celebrate our friends and be better to celebrate other women. Um, and I think a lot of times we, we look at other women and we start that comparison thing, mm -hmm. right? Like this person's there in their life or they're married or they got divorced and they're already remarried or, you know, we all have these different narratives or, you know, she's, how is she so fit or how is she? And we really don't know <laughs> like what, tr what is true and what is authentic and what is completely portrayed online. And mm -hmm. I just want to, say that and remember that there's everyone is struggle. We're all human, but what is your thoughts on that, on how we can celebrate each other and rally together as women? Cause you've obviously done that with so many women. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because the, I love this question and I, and number one, I make mistakes. I, there have been times in my life where I have been the mean girl and there have been times in my life where I have been the recipient of the mean girls. So I think I always say that when I get this question, because, you know, there's some woman out there that I have hurt and in, in unintentionally or intentionally. And so I'm not perfect in any regard in this area, but I'm pretty good at building communities. And I've learned a ton from watching women over the years and five years in my communities. And what I've learned is that for every woman out there that has held you back, there are nine that will push you forward. And most of the time we remember that one woman who either is mean to us or, or, or is jealous or compares or hurts us. Um, and we can isolate ourselves from connecting with other women because we, we think of that one person. Uh, maybe we work with someone who reminds us of that person. So we have to, number one, recognize that all women are not perfect and all women are not nice. Um, that's just part of life. <laughs> We're not like the the better race that like the gender that like, you know, is so much better than the men. I mean, there are mean people in every of every gender. So number one, number two, I've learned that you get to choose which women you focus on and who's in your circle. And if you are in, if you truly believe that women are mean and nasty and don't support one another, you're in the wrong circle. You need a new circle and that's on you. I'm not saying that women haven't been that horrible to you, but why are you choosing to stay? Because I've, I've had to learn that, you know, in every season of my life, sometimes I have to move on from people and not everybody's going to support your success, whether it's a man or a woman, you know, just because someone has a uterus doesn't mean they're going to cheer for you when you are successful. Um, but you get to choose your circle and I'm pretty strict about, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't post negative things about women. I don't criticize women publicly. I don't put it in emails. I, I just don't talk bad about other women because I think that, um, it, it just perpetuates this like mean women are mean women, you know, bring other women down. It's not that I love all women or other women. I'm not in conflict with other women at times, but I've learned through my communities that the words you say really matter. And I've been the victim of, of, you know, one woman coming after me and then like a hundred women jumping on board on social media. And it is like, 
I mean, if you've ever been like truly attacked on social media, it is just, it, it, it's actually extremely traumatic. And those things have taught me like, even if a woman is bad mouthing me, or even if a woman has hurt me, it's just something I, I try always to talk to the woman, not about her. And I'm not perfect. I don't always get it right. But I, I've learned that most of the time, it's really even not about me. Um, it's about something they're going through, or it's about me reminding them of someone from their childhood that was mean, or, or it's about something that they're going through personally. Maybe they're comparing, maybe they're feeling they're going through some mental health issues, whatever it is. So just trying really hard to elevate women that are in your circle. And if you don't have a circle that elevates you, find a new one. Love it. And I think that the I'm going to end on saying this. I think the more success, the more dialed in you become, mm. the more you figure out who you are, the reality is that social circle can get smaller. Mm-hmm. Very and small. I think that's okay. And yeah. I think that just recognizing and, re- and realizing that, um, you know, it, it's fine. Um, yes. You know, I, I don't have a ton of friends and people honestly probably think I do from my right. social media. I have very close knit type people that I, that are very loyal and I have different social structures and different social influences. Like I don't ask some friends about my business stuff. I have business friends that I ask about my business stuff that understand those same struggles. So just making sure that your, your social of influence that you're building, um, you're asking the right people for the right advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're looking for that permission. And ultimately, because um, a lot of times that can weigh in your mind and your thoughts, and that might not even be the journey that you want. So it's just, I get it. It's hard to dissect um, all the different things. And you ultimately like go back to your statement. You just have to become brave enough to figure out who you are and what do you want? Uh, what do you want on your own journey and this life? Because it's all short-lived and that's we really got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I loved what you said about your, your circle being small. I mean, I've definitely gone through that this year and, um, my circle is, you know, I'm like you, I have what a community of thousands of people and people probably think I have thousands of friends, but the truth is I don't, I have very few and it, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm really okay with that. Um, I think there's a perception that we have to have, everybody has to like us and that's the measure of success or everybody has to call you a friend. And that's really not how I personally measure success. So I love that when you said that it resonated so much with me. I love that. Well, where can everyone find you, connect with you, follow you? Um, Cause I know that they are going to want to connect with you on your journey as well. So you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at become brave enough. Um, I have a personal account, but my, my business account that I'm constantly encouraging women and, and giving tips for the professional woman is on at become brave enough. Awesome. And then website, all, where will the new yep. book be? All that good stuff. Become brave is my website. I put out a Friday newsletter of just a little encouragement on leadership and, and also style. Cause I love style. Um, and that comes out every Friday. So you can sign up for my newsletter and it'll come to your inbox for a 30 second read that will hopefully either make you laugh or inspire you. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for this conversation with sharing your energy for the world and with, you know, for inspiring other people to become brave. Cause I think we're all, we all want to be that we're all looking for that permission. So, um, just thanks for what you're doing and for being here. Thanks for having me. And thank you for what you're doing. I love 
your your social feed and your the podcast you're doing and all the everything that you're doing just to help people start and move forward and figure out what they want. It's just inspiring. Well, thank you so much. You guys, we will be back next week for another conversation. Make sure to go give her a follow. You can find any links discussed in this podcast in the description below. If you like this episode, please leave us a review and hit the subscribe button. It helps us so much. You can listen on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. We are here weekly with brand new episodes. See you guys soon.